God. Let's pray to start. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this opportunity to gather together. We ask that your Holy Spirit would be among us, God, that you would work in and through us, that you would reveal what your word says and how it it is to be applied in our lives. Lord, we thank you for your sacrifice for us and we so much celebrate the the victory that we gain from what you've done for us, not because of what we've done, but because of what you have done, God, though we make mistakes, Lord, and uh, God, that we can take you seriously and that we can also uh, gain in the victory because of you, Lord Jesus. We ask that this would all be in your hands today. In Jesus' name, amen. Today, we are going through Nehemiah chapter 3. We are working together today. Nehemiah has been a great book. I have had so much fun studying uh, through this Old Testament history book that we find uh, earlier on in the Bible. Uh, Why have I chosen to do Nehemiah, the book of Nehemiah? Well, the answer to that is that this year, the church... We, us, we are building. The book of Nehemiah, they are building. Oh, in Nehemiah, they're building back Jerusalem. Jerusalem was torn down, was attacked, was spread out. And so they had to build that. And this year, our church body here in Colony, Kansas, we are building. We're building leaders. We're building community connections. We're building new facilities, and we are building our marriages. So let's do a brief review of our chapters that we've already studied in Nehemiah. Chapter 1, two weeks ago, we discussed action, how to act. Uh, The first letter of act was acknowledge reality. The second letter, confess. Confess or to uh, take responsibility for our shortcomings, for our sins, for our mistakes, and then to take it to the Lord in prayer. Be always praying to God. And in chapter 2 last week, we discussed making our move. We see Nehemiah move into a place of action where he does things, and we discussed timing, and we discussed uh, preparation, and we discussed inspection or uh, communicating the vision, the, the scouting process, and then communicating that to people. That was chapter 2. Now today, in chapter 3, I'm not going to read the whole uh, chapter to you. It's a long chapter, and it's good, and I encourage you to take it home and read it uh, to yourselves so that you can mispronounce the, uh, the hundred names in there that I would mispronounce before you today. So I'll, I'll save you the problem of me doing that by just having you read it at home, and we'll go through the highlights of chapter 3. This chapter is a report from Nehemiah. It's a report that he wrote after he built, or I say he, after the building of Jerusalem, after putting the walls back together, and after the folks there uh, that were... Uh, rallied by Nehemiah finished that. He wrote this report and it shows us as we read it that in the words of uh, Wearsby, who is one of my favorite commentators, uh, in his words, when it comes to working for the Lord, there is no place for spectators 
or self-appointed advisors and critics. But there's always room for workers. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 through 38. Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. He said to his disciples, The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more workers into his fields. There is always room for more workers. Now there are a lot of things in life that seem impossible. You think back through your life, uh, maybe this week, and think about those impossible things that you had to deal with. And, you know, I could name some, like uh, pulling out of debt. Sometimes that feels impossible. Or how about pulling out of depression? That can seem impossible. Maybe for you it's mending a broken relationship. Or uh, raising kids can seem impossible. Uh, Maybe it's something like uh, picking up sticks uh, at the new church property after Darren goes over them uh, time and time again. I don't know if if you were there yesterday in our work day. Uh, The the objective was to clear the ground, level it out, and then there was those of us who were to go and pick up the sticks. And it seemed impossible to get it done. Like, Darren would rake, and there would be sticks, and you'd go and you'd work your tail end off and then come back, and then here he would come around and rake up more sticks. The worst part about it was those sticks weren't all just sticks laying there. You would have a handful of them, and you'd grab one, and it would be connected. It was a root still connected on one side. Now, it was so frustrating one time I... I grabbed a hold of root, and I was telling this to Ethan, and I, and I pulled on it and, it, and it made me lose the whole bundle of sticks I had in the other end. I was like, mm. So I grabbed a hold of that root, and I started pulling on that thing. I saw something move out of the corner of my eye, and there was a tree over there sinking down in the ground as I pulled. <laughs> but it seems impossible, these things, right? Uh, so maybe some more things, like having a great marriage. Oh, that seems impossible sometimes. Building a new church building. Overwhelming. Impossible. How are we ever going to get everything figured out? How are we ever going to get the finances? How are we ever going to come to a decision on how this is built and how that's done? Seems impossible. How about being a good follower of Jesus? Like Jake said, Every week, you got these things. And you think, boy, I shouldn't have done that. It seems impossible to be a good follower of Jesus. But here's what I want you to take away from this sermon today. When we work together to accomplish things, we can accomplish Great things. 
for the kingdom of God if we work together. Now, I want you to be inspired by what the folks did when Nehemiah come back. Remember back a few weeks ago, Nehemiah's brother came. He said, hey, Jerusalem's torn down. It's bad shape. Nehemiah devises a plan and he goes back. And you're going to see what he accomplished. We get, a, we get an idea here. You see, the wall around Jerusalem was rebuilt in 52 days. 52 days around the whole city of Jerusalem. That's no machinery. This is long time ago. There's no modern tools, or tractors, or folk, forklifts, or dozers. They did it in 52 days. Now, if some fella came and told you and I that uh, we're going to build a wall around the city of Colony, maybe even bigger, Let's, uh, Jerusalem's much bigger than Colony, and uh, you would think, oh, that's going to be impossible, 52 days to build this up just with our bare hands out of rocks. You know, I'm pretty sure that's probably what the folks in Jerusalem thought as well. And after all, the city of Jerusalem laid in disrepair, in ruins for a long time, years and years. And nobody stepped up to build it back together because they thought there's no way I can do that by myself. There's no way. You know, when Jesus was discussing impossible things with His disciples and uh, a fellow that the Bible uh, calls the rich young ruler, the rich young man. He puts it this way. Matthew chapter 19, verse 26. Humanly speaking, it is impossible, but with God, everything is impossible. Humanly speaking, Everything is impossible. But with God, everything is possible. Did I get that mixed up? Okay. That's important. That needs to be straight. Humanly speaking, it is impossible. But with God, everything is possible. So, the human part of it, man, when I say I can do something, I get excited about doing something. Well, that may not be possible. Uh, but with God... If I'm aligned with God's will, if, if God wants it done, guess what? Entirely possible. Jesus makes the distinction here. Human uh, motive, human uh, ability, and God's ability. Nehemiah was able to show the folks in Jerusalem the truth of God's power working through His people. So, what do we do? What do we do about it? Here we are in Colony, Kansas, and we're reading the book of Nehemiah, and we get encouraged about what kind of leader he is, and we see that in 52 days, the walls and the gates of Jerusalem are put back up. So, what do we do here? Well, my answer to that is to 
plug in. Find your section of wall to build. Nehemiah, when he went to Jerusalem and he uh, decided how it would need to be done, he put folks in charge of different parts of wall. Each person had their section. Each group had their section of wall and they worked at that section. And the wall got built. Chapter 2 we see that it was God's plan that the wall be rebuilt. And Nehemiah would be the project manager. Chapter 3 now, we see that Nehemiah implements a strategy. He has a strategy to get this done. Now, we're talking about building leaders this year. And one thing that made Nehemiah an exceptional, great, and good leader is that he planned his work and worked his plan. Let me repeat that. He planned his work and worked his plan. In this chapter, there are 38 workers named. Specific names to 38 people that worked on the wall. There were 42 groups identified. Each person had a place and a task. We know from reading the words of Paul in 1 Corinthians that there are gifts, there are parts of the body. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 through 18. The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up the one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. That's us, guys. Some of us are Jews. Some, well, some of us probably aren't Jews. Some of us are Jews and Gentiles. Some of us are slaves and some of us are free. But we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit. And we all share the same spirit. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one. If the foot says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not a hand, that does not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less part of the body if the whole body were an eye how would you hear or if your whole body were an ear how would you smell anything but our bodies have many parts and God has put each part just where he wants it so there we have it each one of you are a part of this body of Christ and he has a specific place in the wall for you to build Plug in. By the way, there's going to be a team meeting after the potluck today. This is a perfect chance to discuss that. We'll be talking about the grounds, uh, groundskeeping and buildings maintenance. Buildings is plural because we have several buildings now. So if that, if God's putting it on your heart to be part of that team, part of those teams, then uh, stick around for that meeting. All are encouraged to stick around for that meeting. We can have everybody. But that's specifically what team is going to be meeting today. If you can mow a lawn or if you can uh, water some plants or uh, you know, I don't even know everything that they do. It's just been great that folks have been taking care of that. There's an opportunity to be part of the body. 
So two things I want to talk about today inside of chapter 3 that I think kind of focuses everything that we see in this chapter are the people and the construction. So first, the people, the names. Nehemiah had a job for everyone. God has a job for everyone. Verse 1 starts with the priests. So we have a map. And you can see the, the whole wall surrounding it. It's the gray part. And we see the gates. And Nehemiah, when he tells us this account, this report, he starts by telling us that the priests worked on the sheep gate. The sheep gate was the first. Now, uh, maybe uh, Abigail can point out the sheep gate there. That's where he started. doesn't really matter uh, to us. It's on the very top side. The thing that matters is that the sheep gate was the gate where the sacrifices came in for God. This gate was cared for and center to the priests, to the, the church of the day, to the religious focus. They prioritized their worship. And uh, Nehemiah respected this and respecting the priests. And um, he paired the person to their passion. Of course, the priests are going to want to work on this gate. This is their deal. This is how they take care of the city. So he put him in charge of it. You know, the church in the community should be the center of the community. Change in a town should happen from the church. And we've gotten away from that. Churches seem to be smaller and the change comes from things like the government or the, the, uh, the finances, whatever the cash flow comes in. But the heart should be God's heart. God's people, the body of Christ, we operate called the church, the people. And that's where the center should be coming from. Nehemiah starts by telling us the priests got down on their hands and knees and started to rebuild the sheep gate where the sacrifices came in. In verse 5, we see people from Tekoa. And these people, the leaders of this people, they were influenced by Geshem. Now, remember last week, there was three bad guys. And I put pictures of the bad guys up there. And one of those bad guys was named Geshem. And he influenced these leaders. Because, boy, they did not want to work. Uh, They thought, we're leaders. We're too good to build things, to do manual later labor. But check this example out. Paul, the Apostle Paul, who wrote a, a good portion of our Bible, he was a tent maker. And in Jesus, Jesus was a carpenter. Both men that we would consider, well, of course, Paul, we would consider him uh, to be on the the spiritual well-being chart up here, and in Jesus we can't even uh, rate him because, well, he's who we're spiritual to. And so they were willing to do the physical 
a labor. It was important, but the folks from Tekoa, the leaders, nah. They were the type of self-appointed leaders. Uh, we're too good for that. Uh, we're extinct from working, so they thought. This isn't Nehemiah's plan. It isn't God's plan. Then in verse 8, we see the merchants, uh, the opposites of what we see from the Tekoa leaders. Uh, the merchants um, were also being involved in the building. The scripture names a goldsmith. Now, of all the high-class folks, uh, the guy who uh, deals in gold is probably along the top there, and he's helping out build the wall. And then we see a person who makes a perfume. He's there working as well. Perfume now today is, is maybe not that big of a deal, but uh, back then perfume was almost like gold. It was a big deal. And these folks are working with the rest of them. A good example for us. They're willing to pitch in. They were skilled specialists. They had their trade, but they were still willing to work together to accomplish the greater task for God. Verse 12 tells us that there were daughters working on it. Listen, women are valued in the Scripture and they're included in God's kingdom. They're recognized in this Old Testament Scripture for their service. Anyone who tells you that the Bible is anti-female doesn't know what it says. The Scripture is saying, look, the young women, the daughters, they're working to help build the kingdom of God, to help build the wall of Jerusalem, and they're working under the service, under the supervision, rather, of Nehemiah. They didn't have to be on top. Nobody does. Nehemiah was instructing them, and there were folks to listen uh, to him. Nehemiah was listening to God. Verse 20 tells us about zealots. Uh, these guys, the zealots, they went above and beyond. You know, some people just work harder. These are the kind of people that you don't always want to work with because they're working uh, way past time to stop working and they make you look bad if you're not that hard of a worker. You're not, come on, I want to go home, but you keep working, so I feel like I need to keep working. Uh, they zealously work. You know, you know, the word for zealous in our scripture it means to um, be earnest or to burn or to glow. Uh, Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 9 says, whatever you do, do it well. They're not just satisfied with quitting at quitting time. They're not just satisfied with doing it a little bit or kind of good. It has to be done good. And they stay there and do the extra mile. Listen, these folks came from out of town to Jerusalem to do this missions trip to rebuild the wall. They were there for a certain amount of time. They got done with the part that they were working on. They said, okay, what's next? We're done with ours. Let's build more. And they continued to work and they built more wall on top of their gate above and beyond. 
just not satisfied with quitting and quitting time. You, you know, there are also district leaders that this chapter tells us about. The leaders that were, that were already leaders in Jerusalem, and Nehemiah tapped into them and used them. We're talking uh, mayors, uh, governors. That's what it's going to be like in our day. Um, these uh, public uh, service folks, and they were involved in God's plan in the rebuilding of Jerusalem. We need godly people in government positions. Oh, we do. We would all agree that our culture is broken down. We're going to rebuild our culture and we need to be building leaders that will serve in public office. Places like school boards, city councils, sheriffs. We need to be a factory producing Nehemiahs to send out to these places. Start changing our community little bit by little bit. This project of rebuilding the wall, it was, it was finished because the folks obeyed the same leader. They kept their eyes on the same goal and they worked together for the glory of God. They didn't become distracted. You know, uh, Philippians chapter 3, verse 13, uh, we hear the idea that this one thing I do, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, Paul says. This one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. The idea that if we focus on too many things all at once, we'll be distracted and we won't be much good for any one of them. Focus this one thing. You know, this distraction of trying to do a bunch of different things at once, trying to be uh, this guy or this lady on top of all this other things, trying to uh, be many different people that God maybe hasn't intended you to be. This is part of the devil's plan. The devil, man, he tries to get us to not link together. He tries to get us to be disunified so that we aren't focusing on one thing. And if he can do that, then if he can keep us disunified, then he can keep the walls torn down and the the gates burnt no forward progress for the body of Christ for the kingdom of God if he can keep that done but boy when we realize that we have a common enemy you know other problems we experience in our life they lessen they decrease in importance we realize we have a common enemy and we focus on attacking him and furthering the kingdom, then our enemy starts to get defeated. It puts him on the run, and that's exactly where we want him. Jesus put him on the run when he gave his life for us and then uh, rose again out of the grave. The devil realized he had been defeated. On the run. We've got to keep him that way. Now the second thing. Uh, we talked about the people and the names. The second thing is construction. So let's talk about some construction things. About the wall. Uh, the, the words in this chapter. Uh, are, are repaired and rebuilt. Repaired and rebuilt. You know. One thing to take note of. Is that 
Everything was already there in Jerusalem. When Nehemiah showed up, you know, he, he brought some wood to rebuild the gates, but he didn't have to bring a team of skilled workers. He didn't have to bring leaders. He just showed up with a, with a small army to protect him on his way there. Everything was right there in Jerusalem. All the stones for the walls were laying there because they had been torn down. It was all there. All the people to provide the muscle, uh, to provide the, the leadership on the smaller scale, they were there and ready to rebuild. They just needed primed. They just needed shown how. We often search long and hard looking for just the, that new idea that we think will be the key to making our lives better. We look for just the little cheat to, to make things good when really the stones to put our life back together are already there. The whole time they've been there. The same with the church. Our, our church today is built out of the same thing that it was a thousand years ago, two thousand years ago. Same thing. And that, that's you guys. That's hope. That's faith. Hope and faith that we, as God's children, have in His Word. By the way, Nehemiah, he wasn't interested in a quick fix. He didn't want them to pile some stones up, to smear on some plaster and whitewash it and then call it good. Check out this picture that I have of uh, Jerusalem wall. Now, this is probably updated a little bit from what it would have been, uh, but it is the Jerusalem wall. And this is the kind of wall that we are looking at. This one's very old, several, uh, more than a thousand years ago, probably uh, the bottom portion of it would have been the same. I got to see this wall in person. And that wall gives you a perspective of what they were doing with their hands. Now, you couldn't just uh, pile up some stone, smear, uh, plaster on it, be done. This wall is a serious deal. There needs to be some thought, some consideration put into this. They wanted strong wall. They were doing it for God, for country, for family. You know, interesting enough is when Nehemiah put them in charge of building this wall, they... Uh, he would put the person who lived closest to the wall in charge of that. Now that makes sense. If you were living in a town and your family lived right there and you were going to build this wall that was right next to your house, boy, you would do it right. Because there was enemies and they would be attacking you and you wouldn't want your family to be the first to be attacked. Nehemiah knew what he was doing. Uh, what are the walls in your life that need to be rebuilt to protect you and your family, to protect our body of Christ here, our culture. And how much does it mean to you? These folks uh, 
when they worked, they worked together. Teamwork. They worked near their house to build the wall or the gate near their house. Uh, you know, there could be the, the, the sharing of meals in their houses right next to the place where they were working. They weren't interested in a quick fix. Neither are we. We want the real deal that will hold up when the enemy comes. There are gates in the walls of Jerusalem, by the way. We've talked a lot about the walls. Today we haven't talked a lot about the gates. These big wooden and iron gates were part of the wall. The Scripture speaks of bolts and bars. Now these bolts and bars are like deadbolts. The bars like the locks, a locking mechanism. Now why in the world would you want a gate to lock around your city? Well, that's how they kept safe. You see, what we build here at Colony for the kingdom of God, for our families, we must protect from the enemy. We must keep out the darkness. John chapter, Second John chapter uh, 1 verse 8 says, Watch out that you do not lose what we have worked so hard to achieve. Be diligent so that you receive your full reward. Do not lose what we have worked so hard to achieve. If they didn't put the locks on there to keep out the enemy, then all of it would be in vain. They would have gained nothing. Gates and doors. Doors because we want to let good things in. What are those good things? We're letting in the Holy Spirit. Letting in God's Word, uh, fellow believers into our lives. But when it gets dark outside, the guards in Jerusalem shut the gates. It gets dark in our lives. We need to shut these gates. They didn't leave the city open and vulnerable during the night. We must guard our hearts, my brothers and sisters. We must shut the door to keep out the darkness and evil. What's that look like? Maybe that means you need to shut the doors to movies that don't honor God, to music that puts images in your mind that are evil, maybe unhealthy and damaging relationships, maybe addictions. Shut the door on these things. The rich young ruler, remember we talked about Jesus was talking to disciples and this rich young ruler. He had his heart locked up. He had that door shut, but it was shut too much. He wasn't letting the good in. You see, he wanted to get to heaven, but he didn't want to lose his riches. He held on to his money. He kept the gate locked all the time so the good couldn't, couldn't come in. He was what scriptures call lukewarm. He wanted the kingdom of heaven, but he also wanted his stuff. So, in conclusion, I want you to listen to what Jesus says to the church of Laodicea. 
Revelation chapter 3, verse 15 through 20. I know all these things you do, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were one or the other, but since you are like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich. I have everything I want. I don't need a thing. And you don't realize that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. So I advise you to buy gold from me. Gold that has been purified by fire. Then you will be rich. Also buy white garments from me so that you will not be be shamed by your nakedness and ointment for your eyes so that you will be able to see. I correct and discipline everyone I love, so be diligent and turn from your indifference. Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. I must remind you that these are the words of our Savior Jesus. Look, I stand at the door and knock. It's impossible for us to enter the kingdom of heaven, for us to inherit eternal life through works, through law, or by just being good enough. That is impossible with man. But with God, we can have eternal life. Because He makes it possible. He pursued us. He gave His life. He stands at the door and knocks. It's time to open the door to Jesus. It's time to work together and to share the hope of what that is like with our community through love and service. You see, when you open the door to Jesus, and this is what we must tell other folks, we receive victory. That victory on the other side of death, the victory that's on the other side of Jesus' death brings defeat of evil. There will be no more sadness, no more sorrow, no more darkness. Victory. That's the other half of the battle and we have it assured to us if we ask Jesus for salvation in his name pray that that's uh, that's what your heart is saying today let's pray God I thank you I thank you for your word Lord I thank you for your example through Nehemiah but I thank you for the leaders that we have today here among us. God, I pray that these folks here today will go into our communities and be leaders the way that you've planned for them. Pray that you'll be on everyone's heart here today to work on their section of wall. Pray that you would help us to use our gates effectively. Lord, help us to shut out evil and to let in good, to let you in, God. I thank you for salvation. 
We praise and glorify your name. Amen.